0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Janelle Darby, and on behalf of the SGO Education and Diversity, Inclusion, and Health Equity Committees, I'd like to welcome you to our podcast, where we're going to be discussing with our esteemed panelists the role of diversity and inclusion in clinical trial design, as well as enrollment and retention We're excited to be here to talk about this important topic. We'll go ahead and let our panelists introduce themselves.
1: Hello, I'm Bhavana Pothari. I'm a gynecologic oncologist at NYU Langone Medical Center, where I also serve as the Medical Director of the Clinical Trials Office at the Perlmutter Cancer Center. I also serve the GOG Foundation as the Director of Diversity and Health Equity for Clinical Trials, and I am pleased to be joining you for this very important discussion today. Thank you for having me.
2: My name is Evan Grayboys. I'm a head of neck cancer surgeon and health services researcher at the Medical University of South Carolina, and also serve as the vice chair of the Health Disparities Committee for NRG Oncology. And I also um, am thrilled to be here today. It's quite an honor uh, to be part of this panel and discussing this important topic.
3: Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Jeffrey Hines. I'm a gynecologic oncologist, and I also serve as the chief diversity officer for the University of Connecticut Health System. I also serve as the chair of the Diversity, Inclusion, and Health Equity Committee for the Society of Gynecologic Oncology, and I will throw my excitement in about being involved in this very robust conversation, so thank you.
0: We're excited to have you all here, and thank you again for making the time to be here with us. Just to kind of start off with some background and kind of general overview, Dr. Hines, would you be able to kind of discuss some of the barriers that have been discuss regards to low enrollments of underserved and diverse patients in clinical trials.
3: Sure, I'd be happy to start that conversation. And I'm glad to see my two colleagues on this, and particularly Babana. We're we're very excited. I was co author with her on a manuscript this June of Idea, Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Access. And the emphasis that she in particular put on access is, is critically important. And I think what you really need to do is to break things down into different buckets. What are the patient focused issues that come to the table? What are the institutional issues that are important? What may be some of the sponsor issues that come into play? And then what are some of the the structural and infrastructural aspects from a more governmental perspective? So truly that micro macro perspective. And I think there are barriers that are historically mediated in each of those particular buckets. And it's important for any organization that's going to undertake clinical trials and be more intentional about enrolling patients from historically excluded, you know, minoritized, racialized communities to be able to identify what the barriers and obstacles are in each of those four buckets. So I'll start with that as a beginning statement.
0: Kind of going along with that, do you think there's one of those particular areas that can be most impactful? when institutions or providers are thinking about improving their inclusion of underserved and diverse patients in clinical trials?
3: Sure. I think they're all important, all four important, but if you're going to look at the particular institution, I think they should look inwardly first. And what are the things that they can do around the institution and their particular research teams? For instance, location of research teams. What does the team look like What kind of training around issues of cultural humility, anti racism, around issues of diversity? Is the workforce of that particular research team? represented or mirrors the population that they're interested in accruing from? Is the organization trying to affect issues around being less centralized and perhaps more decentralized when it looks at different populations? Do you have meaningful, proximate relationships with community members that can be influencers to talk about the importance of clinical trials. So while all four of these buckets, if you will, are important, I think it's important for the institution to look carefully inwardly to see what are some things that they can do initially to address some of these barriers and obstacles from an institution perspective.
0: Thank you. And then kind of going along with that, I was going to ask you, Dr. Patheri, when thinking about the joint statement that you participated in recently, um, you discussed the concept of idea Can you describe that a little bit more and um, how we can incorporate that to improve this
1: unmet need? Thank you. I think that idea, as um, Dr. Hines mentioned, is inclusion, diversity, equity, and access. And joint publication is really kind of a compilation and a great roadmap to really help define the issue. But it's a start in terms of how we can start to address some of these important issues. And I think in terms of some of the things that we touched upon. In my mind, I think of it in similar to Jeff, I think of it as four broad categories, patient related, including language, mistrust, lack of knowledge, issues related to the social determinants of health, patients really keeping in mind that patients have difficulty with travel, with parking, with loss of wages, childcare, food insecurity, right? Let's um, really think about what this patient is facing, especially if they're from an underrepresented background and have less access to some of the basic needs. And then there are like physician related lack of education on the physician part about the importance of clinical trials, lack of time, you know, we're all so busy in the clinic, we're tasked with meeting our RVUs. And so really to take that extra time to think about, wow, this patient could actually benefit from a clinical trial, having the infrastructure to have pre-screening. And the ASCO ACCC has put out a really beautiful joint statement, you know, they actually say in their statement that access to clinical trials is a very important part of quality cancer care. And so in addition, every patient should be screened for clinical trials. So we remove any biases associated with referring patients to trial, which brings me to the whole implicit and explicit bias that physicians have, especially when they think about underrepresented patients and thinking that due to all their issues related, you know, many of which are related to their social determinants of health, that they automatically think they're not going to participate in clinical trials. And and we know that the majority of patients, over two-thirds, will participate. There's data showing this if they were just asked to participate. Brings me to the ASCO Just Ask program, which is a complimentary online resource. And I think every individual who is involved in clinical trials, including the practitioners, the nurses, nurse practitioners, your clinical trial staff, anyone who is participating in clinical trials, it's a beautiful resource and really should make use of it. And then, you know, I think I'm not going to delve too much into the institutional barriers, but Jeff did a really nice job talking about The institutional barriers, you know, having the resources for clinical trial programs, opening up the right trials for the patients that you actually care for. The other thing that I think is important is looking at trial-specific barriers, which really is making sure that you are looking at the clinical trial inclusion and exclusion criteria, making sure they're not too restrictive. We know that our, you know, many of our underrepresented patients have a higher proportion of comorbidities, diabetes, hypertension. So for instance, their creatinine clearance may be lower and really looking at things like this so that when you design your trials, you're not excluding patients, especially if it's not important in terms of the drug you're utilizing it. And then other things, you know, really thinking about the number of visits that you ask patients to comply with in terms of safety follow-ups and also PK visits and really trying to be thoughtful about not burdening patients. And, And I think the other thing, Jeff, also mentioned, which I think is really important is how can you decentralize? How can you utilize perhaps telehealth so that, you know, patients don't have to physically travel? So, you know, these are kind of the, you know, um, the overarching issues that I think about when when I'm thinking about how we can really focus on ways that we can improve our um, idea initiative. Those are all really
0: great points. And you know, kind of thinking recently or well, a few years ago, the American Cancer Society had some data that industry sponsored trials actually enrolled fewer diverse patients than collaborative group trials. Do you have any suggestions on how we could better partner with our industry partners to improve
1: this? That's a really great point. And I think now with my role on the GOG and the ability to really partner with industry, we've improved the dialogue. In addition, we've also, the FDA now requires all phase three trials to have a diversity plans, you know, includes a priori goals in terms of diverse patient accrual, how you plan on meeting them. I think that has also helped. And I actually educate each of these sponsors about the need for increasing diverse patient accrual. I help them by reviewing their diversity plans for the trials that we run through the GOG. And and I think one of the biggest problems that we've had is that we don't even capture race and ethnicity data. In recent reports, less than 50% of trials actually report on race and ethnicity data. So I think, you know, that's a first step. And, you know, having these conversations has really helped and really making sure that all of these trials have diversity plans has helped. So I think we are making progress on that front. The other things that we're doing from a GOG foundation standpoint, in addition to the joint manuscript, we're in the process of devising idea modules for additional education, we're going to end housing those on the GOG website, we are also launching a GOG foundation idea pledge to raise awareness um, about increasing idea, but also raising funds so that we can continue to carry on these idea initiatives. And then the other thing that we have done is we've added idea as a line item to our weekly and biweekly sponsor calls, you know, when we're partnering with our industry partners. So there's ongoing assessment of looking at the percentage of patients that we're accruing from different races and ethnicities, and that we are really looking at ways to improve this if we are not meeting our targets.
3: You know, Bhavana mentions the importance of disaggregated data, and it's hard for us down the line to translate results that we see from clinical trials if these the representation does not attempt to mirror the population. And, and the other thing I'll just mention is these action plans, whether they are derived from the institution, from the sponsor, or as man, by the FDA is an item for accountability. There needs to be transparent accountability. We learned a lot from the COVID trials about building in hard stops when certain populations weren't represented in the number of patients that were being vaccinated. So these transparent structures of accountability are going to be critically important.
1: That's why we've standardized this, Jeff, across trials. It's on every agenda now. It's not just what sites on these calls. It's typically how many patients have you accrued and, you know, which sites are accruing, but no, now it, this is the percentage of black patients we've accrued. These are the Hispanic patients. So we're really kind of tracking it, the Asian patients. So, and if we're not meeting those percents that we outlined in the beginning of the trial, then we look and we say, oh, do we need to identify sites that can help us enroll these? Do we need to add sites, right? So this, there's this active participation that goes on. And I think we need to be thoughtful about that with all our trials not just, you know, the pharma trials, but all our trials. So great point that you make.
0: Dr. Grayboys. I was going to ask you from the NRG perspective, are there any current initiatives that are being sponsored by NRG to address the enrollment of diverse and underserved patients in clinical trials?
2: It's a great question. And I think our first two panelists have done a really thoughtful job of outlining the very multi-level barriers that exist really across the trial ecosystem. So within NRG is one of the cooperative groups, has a strong ties to GOG historically. I think ongoing initiatives have happened in sort of a couple of different spaces. So one of them has just been sort of generally the structure and infrastructure of NRG and particularly its relationship with NCORE, the National Community Oncology Research Space, which has both community oncology sites, which potentially may serve for slightly different patient population, especially when we think about diversity across the many different ways it might be conceptualized and not just race and ethnicity, but potentially inclusion of older adults, rural populations, and those from diverse backgrounds by sexual orientation and gender identity. So I think if thinking think about all those potentially capturing some in the community oncology spaces may look different than in academic medical centers, which are typically, you know, sort of the lifeblood of cooperative group trial enrollment, especially in the therapeutic space. And then NRG separately has the health disparities committee. So it's a protocol generating committee similar to TPC or cancer prevention and control or their cancer care delivery research committee. And so the health disparities committee has a number of functions. Some of it is specifically generating concepts and protocols that are aimed at understanding and addressing disparities in cancer research, but a lot of the functions are sort of consultative and are trying to weave disparities or at least equity throughout the sort of like fabric of NRG. And so that may be having consultations with PIs during the trial concept. Development space to think about these equity and diversity uh, inclusion plans or potentially how eligibility criteria may be um, tailored to the specific trial in question and not just boilerplated from the prior trial. Again, recognizing potentially the role of comorbidities. I think thinking about what accrual targets are and developing an actual plan for the trial launches, the concept launches to, to accrue and then monitoring along the lifeblood of it. So like, I think like we heard already having these items be addressed to sort of standing meetings and having a person potentially whose job it is to be mindful and, and, and thoughtful about disparities and equity related issues along the life, the the sort of continuum of the trial is important. And then I think the last thing I'd probably add on the NRG side, in addition to sort of the infrastructure with, I guess, in addition to the Encore sites, there's a separate set of minority underserved sites, which have a larger population of racial ethnic minority patients, potentially to help improve diversity in clinical trials, is thinking about the data that we're collecting. And so I think it was already mentioned that sometimes, in addition to disaggregating data, there are challenges in actually collecting and reading out data about demographics, and they're routinely underreported. And so I know that NRG is, I think, working on standardizing the demographic data that are collected, and particularly data related to social determinants of health that may be important to help characterize fully the patient population and the sample and how it relates to populations nationally.
1: I want to add to what you just said, Evan. We're also looking within the GOG to really get disaggregated race data. So among... Asian patients, right? Not all Asian patients are the same, and we've shown some differences in outcomes in ovarian cancer and endometrial cancer based on the specific subtype of Asian race. So, really starting to disaggregate, and and that's kind of the start of what we're trying to accomplish. But that needs to happen across not just Asian, but Black, and it also needs to happen across ethnicity. So, but I think we have to start somewhere and and build on that. So that's another initiative that I. I'm actively working on within the GOG. So thank you for sharing that as well.
2: Thank you for reminding you just reminded me one other, I think, ongoing initiative, especially I think as we, in the age of precision medicine and biomarker driven trials, one of the emerging barriers, I think, to diverse trial accrual is you know whether people have the appropriate type of sequencing to know that they are biomarker eligible for clinical trials. So in, in addition to all of the other things that were mentioned in the very multi-level nature and the large trial ecosystem, I think in an advancing age of precision oncology, ensuring access to trials is when biomarkers are a prerequisite is is emerging as a, a barrier that we need to sort of understand and then potentially address both in the biobanking space and in the trial eligibility space.
1: Right. And you bring up a really good point because many studies have shown the disparity in testing, both somatic as well as germline. And it's critical that if patients are going to access these emerging trials with ADCs that are biomarker-directed that our patients actually get tested. So really, really important point that you honed in on there.
3: The last point that I'll make is back to the disaggregation of data and how people self-report. We also have to advocate on a national level. We all are aware and may not be aware that we're still using a 1997 Office of Management and Budget definition of race and ethnicity in this country. Hopefully in 2024, there will be new guidance on that. But Bavana said is not all Asians, if you will, will react and have the same survivorship. And we're seeing in, for instance, Southeast Asians may live less than, than certainly, say, a Chinese American will. So we can get more granular data around race and ethnicity that be critically important, but we also have to, to advocate on a, a national level for them to change the rule as well, too. Critically important. I
0: think as our time is wrapping up, one kind of final question to ask all of you is if you could tell our listeners one thing that they could do in clinic, you know, today or tomorrow that would help improve their enrollment of diverse patients, what would that be?
1: I'll start. You're not going to get enrolled patients if you don't ask them and if you don't have an open mind about including them on trials and educate your teams the same, right? To not have preconceived notions. I'm not always the first one who goes in and sees my patient, it's my nurse practitioner. And she's already put in their head what their plan is going to be because she's worked with me for 17 years. So make sure your care teams are aligned with this notion that it's really important that all patients have access to trials and all patients should just be asked, right? And obviously, along with that is really screening them for their social determinants of health and needs related to that and helping them in terms of not just accrual, but also staying on trial. It's not just accrual. We need to keep them on so that, you know, we can get their outcome measures so that they're a part of the data that's generated. And we know that these drugs work in all patients and are safe in all patients. So I think that would be my advice.
3: My advice is similar. I do think that that we also need to look outside of the box as to who in our ecosystem, Evan, I'll take your word. Who are the partners in our organizations that can help deliver some of those wraparound services that are so critically important? These trials don't cover aspects of transportation and food, but our patients suffer from these drivers of health. So who are the partners? Who are the community partners that we have proximate relationships that can help with some of those wraparound services with respect to messaging and also once they're on trial to successfully uh, navigate through the
2: trial? I really want to to give Jeff and Bavana both probably the last word is the most distinguished guest on this panel, and and also they took two really fantastic suggestions. So I think if Bavana suggested just ask at the individual level, and and Jeff really suggested fostering really mutually beneficial partnerships, then I would say as clinicians, we're so far downstream in the sort of a um, multi-level nature of why trial accrual is not diverse that I think Just Ask works at the one patient level. But um, the reason we're all here today is different, I think, and that's my advice would be to go be a passionate advocate for this thing that we all care about. And so while asking that next patient who comes into clinic, we'll solve them one patient at a time. I think being parts of podcasts like this, being involved in in, paradigm changing, clinical trials through cooperative groups like GOG or NRG, working through the FDA, working through ASCO, working through ACCC, all those activities that any individual oncologist can be part of is what's really going to change the future for the vast number of patients and not just the next one who walks into your clinic. So I, I think hopefully given three different answers And my part would be really be a passionate advocate for this topic to keep it on the radar and not just, I think, move from describing the problem to actually solving the problem.
1: One more thing, Dr. Hines and I are chairing a joint SGO and GOG Foundation IDEA Symposium on Increasing Diversity in Clinical Trial Enrollment. This session is going to be the Winter Educational Symposium held in Orlando in February of 2024. We hope to see you all there. Thanks.
0: Really appreciate all of you being part of the podcast today and discussing this important topic. Thank you all again.
1: The information presented is that of the
3: contributing faculty and presenters and does not necessarily represent the views of the Society of Gynecologic Oncology or any named company or organization providing financial support. Specific therapies discussed may not be approved and or specified for use as indicated by the faculty or presenters. If you like what you heard today, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and hitting the follow button wherever you're listening. If you have suggestions for future SGO On The Go podcasts, please email us directly at education at sgo.org.